0: Sound of Hockey episode 46. We're doing this one a little differently because we have a really great interview in this one with Jamie Huscroft, who is local here in Seattle, but played a long time in the NHL. Incredibly fun interview, and we talked to him in person, the three of us, uh, John, Andy, and myself, uh, for about an hour. So that's going to take up the bulk of the show. This is Darren Brown, by the way. Uh, I am at Darren Fun Brown on Twitter. I am not currently joined by Andy and John, so this is a great opportunity for me to talk a ton of trash about them. But I won't, because I'm a gentleman. I do want to, however, read a quick review for you that we had come in. This is from Anthem Polly. Now, Anthem Polly was actually noted in our last review from last week from Lola Laptop, so apparently they know each other in some way. I'm guessing they might be husband and wife or something like that. Anyway, it says, what a fantastic podcast. This is a great hockey podcast, a rich and entertaining blend of hockey news from one-on-one interviews with Seattle's new Crap Weasels GM, Ron Francis, that happened last week with Andy, well done Andy, to the random and rampant shortchanged AHL app developer having a push alert meltdown. This broadcast lets no story get by us. Your hockey smarts are sharp as your wits. I love the weekly one timers, but the newly minted get off my lawn segment pulled at my heartstrings and is now my favorite segment. I'm a beer league goalie, too, and no one should ever cherry pick in an ice hockey game, especially in a 100-foot rink. Darren, I understand your frustration. I think you were brave to speak up to the cherry picker. Thank you all for the great hockey content all year long. You guys are fantastic. Keep the podcast flowing. That's from Paul Klein. Thank you so much, Paul. That was awesome. Uh, I appreciate the support of this, you know, rather difficult time. I did have another rather difficult moment this past week where uh, beer league related, I subbed on John's team and gave up the winning goal on a wrist shot from outside the blue line. So it's been a tough couple of weeks for me in beer league, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. And I appreciate your support, thoughts and prayers, and that incredible uh, review, Pauly. Uh, by the way, being this episode 46, and it's just me right now, we're calling this one the Jared Spurgeon episode, because what else would we call it? And John and Andy don't have a say, because they're not here. So uh, here's our intro music. And once that's done, we will get right to Jamie Huscroft. Thanks so much. Enjoy. <music> We now welcome on to Sound of Hockey, a very special guest, we have Mr. Jamie Huscroft. Uh, He played, if you aren't aware, 350 NHL games, had over a thousand penalty minutes in his 10 years, that's uh, something to hang your hat on there. (laughs) Uh, He played at the Devils, Bruins, Flames, Lightning, Canucks, Coyotes, and Capitals during the course of his career, Uh, and now he is local, so we're actually here in his office at beautiful Snow King Arena in Renton. How are you doing, Jamie? I am just happy to be here
1: in your company. I'm, I feel so blessed. <laughs> not the, highlight, the highlight of your career. Yeah, yeah. I, not that I wouldn't. Yeah, you I would, made yeah, it. I made, I made it to the big time. So yeah. I'd rather be home watching reruns, but we won't go there.
0: <laughs> so I saw you play very briefly in this uh, Fred Hutch hockey marathon that happened over the weekend. I noticed you've, uh, it, as as an adult hockey player, or what do we call it now, beer leaguer, yeah. what what, what do level you, do you consider it, yourself at I was, this I was point? waiting
1: for you to say I noticed you've, Slow down? Is that what you're going <laughs> to no. say? You,
0: you, know, you decide not to,
1: or what were you going to say? No,
0: I, I thought you looked pretty smooth out there, actually, but uh, what I was going to say is that I noticed you switched to kind of the Gretzky-style Jofa helmet. Oh, I did. Uh, so no. what uh, what led to that? Because I think you were more of a CCM guy back in the
1: day, right? Yeah, I was. Actually, um, while well, running rinks, I see a lot of used equipment around, and people mm-hmm. just either leave it or donate it. And about four or five years ago, someone left that helmet around. You can't find them. They're no? their collector's <laughs> items. Well, I saw it, and I was like, perfect. A guy that's had like 14 concussions like myself would be perfect to wear a helmet that's got no padding whatsoever.
0: <laughs> I was literally yeah. just going to say, like, if you hit your head wearing that
1: thing, does oh. that
0: do anything for you? I would I would think no. it actually causes more
1: harm. Oh, it, you know, it's, it's uh, I, it, as they say, you know, you have to wear a helmet out there. Obviously, yeah. Yeah. Uh, helmets are rather... Uh, cumbersome for me and, and uncomfortable. So might <laughs> as a guy, Doug Curtin that I work with and he used to we uh about three, four years ago, we we had the rule of all coaching on the ice. When you're coaching, you have to yeah. wear a helmet, yep. right? You just have to. And so I pulled that one out and I'm like, oh okay. you want to wear a helmet? Okay, Dougie. And then I came out and he just shook his head like, okay, that does no good to your safety. But anyways I just yeah that's why I wear that
0: one. Yeah. So Talking about your NHL career a little bit, you moved around the league a lot. Um, did you find it challenging to play for so many different teams? Was there ever a spot that you're like, "This is are where"? Saying I... that, are you saying that I suck? No. Or I, people, or you,
1: did you mean to say that people wanted me so much people I got traded good. so much? Exactly.
0: I, I mean, it depends on how you spin it, I guess. But <laughs> well, the,
1: way you, the way you said it was the, uh, the first well, was the earlier part that I that I wasn't very good, and because of that, I got I, traded hey, seven times. I
0: never said that you weren't <laughs> okay. very good. Well, you sounded like it. You Ooh. you yeah. played in the NHL, so are you're right. You getting
1: nervous. I'm- yeah. I know. I'm. Yeah. He's much bigger than me. I'm <laughs> but I'm yeah. a lot. Old, I'm. I'm old, and I just don't care. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, but but really, what was your your
0: I guess your favorite team to play for?
1: Well, what? look so look around you in the office. What do you
0: think? Yeah. Well, I, I actually know the answer because you told me this okay. the first time I met you. But
2: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so, they, so
1: if you look around the office right now, you see uh, the uh, Fenway a picture of Fenway Park. Uh, Boston Garden, Providence Bruins, or where they played. That's a minor league team. Johnny Busick, uh skating around, uh, I think, in 1971, I think, when they won the cup. Uh, and then some other old uh, Milt Schmidt pitchers. Uh, <laughs> all, most of them are Boston pitchers. So yeah. I was raised, my dad was a Boston fan because Johnny Buzik. Uh, who was the assistant captain um, when they were winning those Cups. He lived, he married a girl uh, from my hometown, Creston, and he had a hockey school there every summer. So, I, I mean, I loved hockey, but I loved the Boston Bruins because Johnny would bring some of his teammates in for the hockey schools. So we, I got to skate and well see and meet some of the old Bruins legends. So it was I just knew I didn't even know if there's more NHL teams around. <laughs> I, I knew that there was the Boston Bruins. Right. And they were winning Stanley. They, you know, they had Bobby Orr. And so from then on, for the rest of my life, I mean, I was playing with the Vancouver Canucks and I was a Boston Bruins fan.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Yikes. Yeah. So Andy's uh, Andy's a
1: Canucks
2: fan. So okay. yeah. he took offense to That's that, I'm okay. sure. Yeah. Who were you rooting for in 2011? Oh, Boston. Oh, <laughs> good. Yeah.
0: good question. Oh, wow. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, you know,
1: I, I, uh, I spent uh, a year in Boston or um, a year in Vancouver mm-hmm. and I loved it. It was so much fun to play in front of my you know home crowd. Yeah. Um, but uh, when I was in Boston, I mean, they really took care of me um, and I played. I played all the time. I never uh, once I got in the lineup there or basically as soon as they get called up, um, I, I don't think I ever sat a again. Uh, and that's for me. I mean, that's, you know, they were true to me. I did my job. I was, you know, in the prime of my career and mm-hmm. um, and loved it in Boston. Or when I got to Vancouver, uh, Mike Keenan was there, and I played every game under Mike Keenan. Once I got in the lineup, and the day he got traded, they brought in another coach, and we just, um, you know, just didn't see eye to eye. And I guess he he. he uh, he knew I wasn't talent, talented, and I thought I was, and so I didn't play as much, so. So in Boston, I know you, you had to have played with Cam Neely,
0: right, you guys yep. crossed paths. Oh, yeah. uh, who's, who do you think is scarier, Cam Neely or his character Seabass from Dumb and Dumber? Oh, Seabass. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, Cam, when he was filming Seabass, we didn't even know at the time, um, but you know, he didn't he tell th- you guys that he was doing no, that. No, or he didn't tell me. I mean yeah. not like we were buddies. And right, was, right, you know, okay. Yeah, going over popcorn, you know, uh, after <laughs> practice. But so he was, uh, he uh, he had his crutches, right, and and he had his surgery, and so he was out for you know um, a lengthy period of time. So mm-hmm. I remember him coming back, and he mentioned, yeah, you know, he shot this movie, and we're like, yeah, well, you know, it's you know Cam Neely's in a movie; it's not, <laughs> not going to be that good. But, well, obviously, you know, we all know that to be and not true and it was a great movie but uh, Cam was when well, he was Cam was scary when I uh, was playing junior I played with him in the Portland Winterhawks he was um, probably a 17, 18 year old I was a 16 year old mm-hmm. and I was he was he got in a fight I never forget the fight he's a lefty and he th- these two guys must they must have fought for like a minute straight and just mm-hmm. beat the crap out of each other And I I was at that time, it set me back a little bit because I was like, I don't want to be a tough guy if that's what I'm going to have to do. (laughs) And anyway, so a year later, you know, he goes pro and I watched him uh, throughout the NHL and I was like, man, this guy's tough. Well, that time I got to Vancouver to Boston, Cam was scoring 50 goals a year and he wasn't fighting. Right. Mm -hmm. And they brought me up to protect Cam. Well, Mm -hmm. Cam and Ray and Otsi and, um, so it turned out that the, the guy that um, they sent down wasn't doing his job. They called me up, pulled me in the office, and they said, and they, they can't say it, but they said, hey, Jamie, do you know why you're here? And I said, yes, sir. And you say, do you know why the last guy got sent down? Right? They didn't say anything. They just said, do you know why? And I'm like, yes, sir. So do we? You, are we never going to have this talk again? And I said, no, sir. We're not. we we will never have this talk again. And you will never have to question, uh, my job responsibilities. So why did the previous guy get sent down? Cause he wasn't fighting. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, That's and, wild. Yeah. And, and I got to Boston. And so I remember my first shift, uh, we were playing against uh, St. Louis and Tony twist is out there and Twister was eating yeah. up the league. Twist like. and shout. They used to play yeah. twist and shout. Yeah. And the he was just <laughs> knocking guys out. And, uh, Anyway, so they uh, they come in there and, and Twister goes out there and, and Tommy McVee are my coach and now he's, he's like a father figure to me. He's 85 years old and we talk once a month and so he's got a really deep voice and he says, hey kid, and I've been with him for five, six, six years at the time straight. He goes, hey kid, Twister's out there and he covers his eyes and he goes,
2: good luck out there. Oh. <laughs> and
1: he starts laughing and I'm, I look at him and I start laughing and I go out there and you know, he. You know, I, I. didn't get hurt, but I got beat. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I'm not gonna beat. I because I would have just made him mad if I would have beat him up. But, anyways, uh, <laughs> so I, I. got beat up, and and I come back to the bench. You know, five six minutes later, and he's like, Ugh, "Good work, kid." <laughs> kind of rolled his eyes, but you know, that's that was the uh, you know the the good old days back then, right? Yeah, that's, that's what you did. So what?
3: How do you how do you view the game now? Right. And, and I don't know if you saw Torella earlier in the season was like, oh, it's a hug fest out there. There's nobody. I disagree.
1: I disagree. I love today's NHL. So I played it. I played it. And it was, you know, when, you know, do I like not sleeping at night? And, you know, like you're throwing up before the games and you're nervous and you knew what, you know, was going to happen. And I mean, my first game pro, I dumped the puck in. Some guy came up to me, took two steps. I'm looking at the puck and cross-check me right across the face, mm. like, like that's you do that in the street and you're in jail, right? Yeah, right. Cross-check me right across the face. He gets, a, I don't know if he got anything. Uh, ref didn't see it, so I'm laying there. I got concussed. I'm cut all across my face, mm. and I'm just laying there. I'm out cold. I was out for a month with a concussion, oh. and uh, and I shouldn't even have been back before. I mean, even then, I I, I came back too early. Now, you'd never see that, right? you yeah. never yeah. see that today. And that's for me, I'm like, no, that's not the game that, you, that people love, right? It's, you're not going to throw your kids into hockey when you see that, right? The game today is, I mean, they're going to be taking hitting out at almost every level. Uh, until you get to, you know, maybe 16 at a higher, you know, rep tier one level. But, I mean, they're cleaning up the game. There's no more, you know, open ice hitting because they hit you in the pocketbook. You know, it's it's no hooking and holding anymore. It is nothing but speed. Now, you could argue, I watch uh, the playoffs with my in-laws who don't know hockey very well, and their biggest complaint is they couldn't follow the puck. It was too fast. So I told him, I say, well, we can solve that. Yeah, get a bigger No, yeah. Well, no, I said, get a bigger TV. Like, hey, I'll be here more and be easier for me. But get a bigger TV. But they kind of chuckled, and it's it really is though. It's it's the game is just so fast. So I mean that's um, you know for yeah. me that's that you know that's the biggest uh, complaint. In for that for same it. vein
2: though, in the final like like St. Louis was a physical team, and now there's people saying that they want to want to go back to maybe getting bigger guys. Do you do you think that's really going to happen? No,
1: no way, mm-hmm. no. Um, I think uh, Boston was built for success, small, fast defenseman. I mean, even Chara is getting long in the tooth, mm-hmm. and you know he's he's aging out, starting to get slow. And, you know, you're seeing McAvoy and these young. Smaller, smart, uh, well-skating defenseman. That's what. That's the future of the game. Um, it's just speed, right? Speed, finesse, um, hockey smarts. It's not where back when I played, right? You had the fourth line that you'd have to literally get a slingshot to get them out on the ice. <laughs> to get to and I mean, I remember skating by some guys, and it would just be like, oh my god, like, and I'd say to them, you are awful, like. <laughs> How are you even, you know, skating? You can't even skate. Mm. But how oh, could they fight, right? Yeah, yeah. And that was it. And thank goodness the game's not like that anymore. Right? Mm. It's I could I my kid I want I would want my grandson uh, or granddaughter to play hockey because it's safe. Right? Yep. It's a great team sport. Um, you know, it's just they're not gonna good chance they're not gonna get well, hurt. And over the years, right, I've I've talked to a lot of people about
3: going to the junior games and juniors used to be really rough, oh, right? My. You know, not that it, it was tougher than the NHL, but in a way like you don't expect kids to like be in a line brawl, right? And oh God, and yeah. friends would tell me like 15 years ago, they'd go to a game. And there'd be a line brawl in a junior game. 18-year-old yeah. kids, right? Well, they still happens sometimes. It does. It does, really, it does but, but, but I'm just like, not. T- like not, not yeah, and, and, and Andy knows, and even when I moved up here 15
1: years mm-hmm. ago, like
3: it, it was brutal at times, we, but it's yeah, changed. We had some,
1: we had some line brawls that were just then full on. Like, well, I remember one awesome. guy. I'll never forget that we were playing uh, Calgary, and the guy was fighting. I went and I pushed him down, and his head smacked against the ice, and the blood. It just, I mean, within five seconds, there had to be two, yeah. three feet of blood surrounding this guy, a <laughs> big pup. And I remember my my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, she was just like, I don't know if I can do this like I, I you're that's not the person I don't know if I want to be with you because how could someone do that right mm-hmm. and I, I just thought I didn't mean to it just happened and it's you know but it, it is part of the game and yeah you know so that was you know it's just like you know it shouldn't happen, right? Yep. And, and they don't. It doesn't anymore, for the most part. And they got visors on, and you know they they chirp and they pull and they tug and <laughs> pull and, and then it's over. Yeah, and that's right? that's fine, and, that, and that's yeah. fine, right? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. yeah.
3: So you did start in Portland before you got here. Yeah. So then you get traded to Seattle, or yeah, I seem mm-hmm. traded, and then how was that rivalry back then when you when you were out, when playing?
1: Absolutely. Uh, pure hatred like to get, to go from Portland, Portland had, it would have been like going from the, uh, uh, like the Bellevue working out at the Bellevue club, you know, to your, to the, and going to your brother's, you know, like goat farm and where there's a little ice rink in the back or something like that. It's so, it was like going from a, you know, an NHL team. To a lower minor league team in one in a a three hour drive, and that was going which direction? You're going north from Portland to here. Ah, wow! And I so Portland, I was you know they they just they just ingrained in India that Seattle was just trash, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's just Mm -hmm. that's the way they 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 portrayed us, and and it was somewhat true. But (laughs) I I, I turned out to be a you know a pretty good defenseman uh, a couple years later. And I made, I just, every game, I just made them pay. I mean, I, <laughs> I must've beat up 50 of those guys and just, <laughs> I hated them so much, you know, and I hated their, but I hated their program. I didn't hate the players. I hated their program. Yeah. And that's what, you know, Seattle, won. I mean, perfect for Seattle coaches mm-hmm. and they didn't have to do anything. It was uh, ingrained in my, you know, in my, I had <laughs> I that much hate of, in me.
2: Some of that, that feeling still persists, I think, between the two programs. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> no, Even though Seattle's just, nicer yeah. now than it was. Yeah. Oh, then.
1: now, now Seattle probably. Yeah, has that or, better or, than yeah. I'd say Seattle's probably got a better program and has for a while. Right. But anyways, right. Your kids and you know, what do we know? So. I want to circle back. One, one thing you mentioned is that
0: they're they're taking hitting out at the younger ages. I have a theory and i've had a theory for a long time that the younger you can start kids hitting the better it is because they're moving slower and they learn to protect
1: themselves at a the lower age do you agree with that or do you disagree you disagree. think it should so the later the better to start physical play yeah physical play now they y- there's contact as far as uh you know just just contact just running into running run, yeah head, like yeah. bumping into each other or forcing you off a puck or mm-hmm. You know, or separating the, board, the, right? the person, uh, you know, um, from the puck, mm-hmm. but you don't separate the person from consciousness. Right. right, so right. That's the way yeah. we grew up, right? Yeah. Just knock them up. You don't have to worry about them. Well, now it's just you, you can, you know, you can push the person out and you can protect yourself. And they still teach you. And they have checking clinics where they, you know, rub you off a little bit and they teach you how to protect yourself. But there's no need to go running around, you know, with your head down. Like you get back in the day, you get your head down, you're gonna get your head knocked off. Mm-hmm. Now you got your head down, you can't hit them, right? You just kind of you go for the puck, and and that's it. And that's the way it should be played. There's not as many concussions anymore, and 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 it's only gonna get safer.
2: All right. Well, my theory has been debunked. Thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> uh, going back to Seattle, you know, I I watched you guys play back in the Mercer Arena days. Oof. I was at those games. I'm and, sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, I loved it. And then, you know, Glenn Goodall was obviously a big part of those teams. And I got a chance to talk to him this year and interview him. Great guy. Oh, my God, yes. So he comes in at 14. And I think you were on that team, right? What what, what What's that like to have a 14-year-old playing with you? And 14, I'm sure you probably had to get, go into action a lot to protect
1: a, him. A 14-year-old pest <laughs> yeah. playing with you. Yeah, You know, I think I was 16 at the time probably, 16, 17. So I remember when he came on, I, I, it was amazing to see a 14-year-old that wasn't scared and just kind of did his thing and he just tore it up. And so I think uh, it was probably within was three, three full, you know, three years, maybe three and a half years. And yeah, he was the, he was arguably the best player in the league. He, um but his, his style um wasn't conducive to what the NHL style was at the time. So he had a great, great career in Europe. Um But, it, you know, I saw him in the American League. I remember we played against him. He was in Detroit's farm system and I was in New Jersey's and, you know, in the American League was the wild, wild west back then still. And he just, he got out there and I was like, no, uh, this isn't for me. And he was smart. He went shipped over to Europe and must have played 15 years. And, and it really etched out a great career for him. Now he came back and he's like, selling real estate mm-hmm. and just a fantastic kid. But man, I probably a third of my fights were because of protecting that little, <laughs> that little bugger. You know. <laughs> <laughs> loved him, but he uh, he was a uh, yeah he was a little past up there,
2: and he had a pretty good impact on the team. So oh, yeah. I remember you know they went from you guys you know half the, that building was half full, and then you guys were, and they ended up playing at the Coliseum. You know he had yeah. a lot to do with that. It
1: would, well, it was like Barzell, the modern yeah. day Barzell, right? Um, you know Matthew Barzell brought me to the Thunderbird games, and I, you know I don't go that often. Mm-hmm. When he was around, I went because I just loved watching him play, and that was kind of how, how good he was. He just he'd get the puck and. You just
2: couldn't get it away from him. So you probably would have had to fight to protect him too. He, he had a mouth on him. Oh my God! Hey, was he cocky out yes. there? Oh, he tried quite a bit. Oh,
1: but could he, and can he still? I still love watching him yeah. play. Yeah. Just, oh, yeah, You just you just see one of those guys about every ten years come through.
2: How great was it to see Goodall come back for that Hockey Challenge game this year and see him out there again? I, in a, yeah, I had, a green jersey? Yes. Oh, he's so much
1: fun, and yeah, I think he was on my team too. Yeah, but he—it was nice to play with him again, and and he still is, you know, little speedster, and and just—he <laughs> but Glenn's a very, uh, just a happy-go-lucky guy, right? Not a, you know, care or concern, and just. You know, when you got that much talent, I guess you can have that. <laughs> I didn't have that luxury.
2: And so we talked a little bit about Mercer Arena, which is gone now, sadly. But that place was pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. I remember going to games there and
1: Square Corners. Yep, Square Corners. Uh, concrete. Yep. Uh, the, the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the the dasher, the the boards were like embedded in concrete, so they had no give. Not even uh, not even a, a centimeter of give. So guys were getting hurt, and they were. It was about six inches lower. Uh, the ice was so the boards were a little higher, and, and then that chicken— not chicken wire, but it was like fencing, chain link. Yeah, chain-like. yeah chain-like. for a long time. Yeah. yeah, and you'd go into the corner. When I was playing with Sport Portland, I'd get hit in the corner, and people would spit on you and throw <laughs> beer on you, and it'd be like, "You never want to go in the corner." And You can really hear what they're saying
0: when it's chain link fence too, which is yep. weird. There's like yeah. the. The sound protection when it's glass, I, I played in a rink like that, not quite to that degree growing up. And it was very strange feeling, I remember for the first time when you could actually hear like the parents like talking yeah. trash about the kids. Yeah. Like, yeah. they're talking about yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, and
1: everybody's drunk, right? It's a college crowd, yeah. everybody's yeah. drunk. So yeah. like, well, no kidding, right? They're gonna, <laughs> just, it was
2: crazy. I talked to Brendan Witt a few years ago and he said that he, there was a, he knew the spots on the board that he could run somebody into that where it wasn't going to give. Oh, okay. Did you have those spots mapped out? When I, you know what? Here?
1: Good for Brandon because I thought they were all like. <laughs> 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 I it was like, it didn't matter. You know, they were. I didn't know there was a soft spot in there. They all felt hard to me. So, she, he's a big boy, yeah,
2: and a good kid. So, so you also play for the Breakers. So, I've gotta ask, like, what, 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 what did you prefer, the Breakers orange or the t green? Oh, t green. Breakers <laughs> orange were just. We were just
1: a bunch of. It. We were the bad news bears of the league, right? <laughs> Then um, a gentleman out of uh, Calgary bought the um, uh, bought the team and turned it into the uh, Thunderbirds and really that's when they started to take off. Got mm-hmm. some respectability back and and uh, really made it a proud place to play. And you know then Russ came in and you know to this day it's just a top notch uh, Russ and his team and Colin and all these guys are. Uh, are just great guys. Yeah, Those jerseys were very
2: eighties, though. Oh, There's the, the ugly, logo and everything were very eighties looking. purple, yeah. was that? Like a purple and orange, <laughs> and then the Cooperalls. Yeah, that was with the Cooperalls. Uh,
1: we used to stick uh, food in there because we weren't. If you weren't playing much, you put food in your Cooperalls. Like, uh, you put licorice in there uh-huh. and, and like little juice boxes. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think the downfall of the Cooperall was? Uh, you know, for me, they were just. For some reason, it was itchy, mm. Uh, and they just looked bad. Yeah, you know, what yeah. I mean, they thought. They were goofy. That, yeah, they were goofy. It was a some sort of
2: a mark. And the whole league went to him for yeah. a few years. It wasn't just oh. you guys; it was the whole WHL. Yeah, it just <laughs> didn't, didn't look good. So, yeah. well, you mentioned Russ Farwell. So he he trades for you yeah. in Medicine Hat, and you go on over there, and you end up winning Memorial Cup. What's that experience like to go win win that tournament? It's
1: uh, um, that was for me. I, I remember my last, the day of the trade deadline. I go and Sheldon Ferguson, I think, was a general manager here, and I, and I just said, "Hey, um, I just I broke my hand like a couple uh, games into the season. That's my last year. That was my fourth year, and I was just at the time um, back for like three weeks, and my hand was healing up. But we were already mathematically out of the playoffs. It was a trade deadline. I'm like, hey, I I mean, I've been drafted. I'm I know I'm. We all know I'm going pro the next year. Mm-hmm. I'm not coming back. And uh, were you 20 or 19? 19. I was 19, but I mean, I. You know i had a, a good year and, and I, I new jersey said i wasn't coming back so and i said why don't you just get something for me like trade me to the east and uh, and then but trade me to a contender i'd love to take a shot at the title right and win the cup and you know i was nervous so because then you know my my girlfriend at the time my wife now is you know you're and you're comfortable right you're one of the team. leaders of the team and you're like, yeah, I could just party here for a couple months and, you know, and then go <laughs> mail it in. Yeah. Mail yeah. it in. Right. But you know, that, that part of me, I, I wanted to play for a winner. And uh, so the next morning I woke up, no phone call, no nothing. I'm like, crap, you know, I didn't get traded. Well, you know, I go to the rink and I uh, get there and they're like, hush, come on in. We traded you. Yeah. I'm like, yes. <laughs> so uh, I get there. Yeah. And then I get there and they're like, yeah, we're trading medicine hat. I didn't know anything about medicine hat. And, um, so I go over there and we went on a tear. I, I was the number this guy named Chris Joseph and I mm-hmm. were the number 1 2 D in Seattle here. So I was getting paid tw- I was 25 minutes of ice a game. <laughs> I mean just power play penalty killing. I went to Medicine Hat and I was on the third string defense where they were so I mean Dean Shnalt, Wayne McBean, Scott McCrady. Was London, men- Linden on the team yeah. Trevor Linden, yeah, but this was under the, the defense. I mean they yeah. were stacked. And so I went from number one, two to number five, six. <laughs> and uh, so anyways, it was, we had a powerhouse and, and anyway, so we went on on a tear and and ended up um, going all the way and winning it, And, and but real character team. But man, I, it really taught me about how hard that game is, how hard it is to win a championship. I was 210 pounds at, at training camp and I weighed out at, 189 pounds after the cup. It was like we were a bunch of little string beans. Went to Florida afterward. They said, if we win the cup, it'll take you to Florida. So they took us there for like three days. And we were a bunch of little, you know, skinny little, it looked like my paper cup. About 20 paper cups walking around the beach. And it was, people were like pointing at us, going, oh my God, these skinny little white guys. And so we were there for like three days. And we were, you know, like little cooked lobsters after that. But anyway, we, uh, that was, yeah. that was fun, but we were so exhausted, right? Because you just, you never it's ate a lot much, of hockey. A lot of hockey. Yeah. 110 games we played that year, which is, oh, oh That's three. that's three college seasons right there, right? Well, I think the Thunderbirds, when they went to
2: the Memorial Cup, were close to 100, over 100 games. Yeah. And as an alumni of the Thunderbirds, when they won in 2017, does that mean something to you, watching that and seeing them do that? It did, yeah.
1: I really, um, you know, couldn't have been more proud of them, and they had to, you know, they worked hard. Mm-hmm. They, they're good. I, I'm Love the Thunderbirds. And was that
2: your first time meeting Russ when he trades for you there? Uh,
1: That was, yeah. Yeah. He traded for me. And and I remember he he said later, that's what made the difference because they they got me. I got a good player, but for next to nothing. He just kind of said, you know, a couple, you know. And so he didn't have to give up anything (laughs) in his nucleus, right? He was really good at that. He was brilliant at that. And uh, so he got that, you know, because I think they were missing that, that, because you got to have three solid sets of d4 solid lines mm-hmm. and i think that's what they were missing and he able to get a little bit of toughness and then just some stability and he says that's all they needed and after that he says they could roll three lines without having a match and so they never got burnt and they went all the way.
2: So. You mentioned the D pair here in Seattle. Chris Joseph played a long oh, time in the NHL. I wasn't, was, you guys weren't slouches. No, D no he was, I mean, Chris was a really good player <laughs> yeah, offensively. Fourth play. round draft, fourth yeah. overall pick or something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, he was a
1: great draft yeah, pick yeah. offensively. Yeah, yeah.
0: All these guys you played with, who was the, like, looking back, is there a guy that you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I played alongside that guy?
1: Well, at first it was Ray Bork. Yeah. I mean, to me, Ray Bork was the epitome of a. Uh, I have a great NHL player. Like every game, every practice, every game. I mean, he was what I would um, build my team, you know, um, like a Nicholas Lindstrom or a Ray Bork, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, a few years later, it would have been Mark Messier to sit there. You know, my dad's coming in the room and there's Pavel Bure and Mark Messier, (laughs) you know, talking about the farm, you know. And and it was just, for me, that was, you know, the two – two superstars, mm-hmm. and that were just great guys. Like, Messi is, is a great guy, and, you know, uh, Borky's just phenomenal.
2: Is, is that leadership thing they always talk about with Messi? Is that real, or is that a media? You know, he's the greatest leader. That's more of a – you know, <laughs> you I, it's, it's, a, it's a media thing. Yeah. Well, he guaranteed a win that one night,
1: and then they he actually right won, won. so. Yeah, well, I guaranteed lots of wins. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't mean it happened. You know, I guaranteed, I'm going to score a hat trick. You would have been a leader. I was, <laughs> have won. Yeah, yeah. I had, yeah, I had 25 <laughs> penalty minutes, got kicked out of the game, and was minus six. But, it, you know, it was just like, you know, he sometimes I can promise whatever I want. But, you know, <laughs> you he, led in some categories. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, but he, uh, Mass was a great leader, but so was, you know. I mean, every team I went to had a, you know, a great yeah, leader, yeah. Uh, but, Boring, you know, Cam and, and Ray were unbelievable, uh, you know, I go to, in Boston, I go to Calgary and they had uh, Aginla, um, Gary Roberts, Joe Neuendijk. um, you know, you just go to almost every team, I go I get traded to Phoenix, you got Roenick, Kachuk, oh God. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, Doan, Shane Doan, you go down the list, right, mm-hmm. they're all great leaders, you know, Mess was actually Uh, very, uh, pretty quiet actually. He didn't say much, but when he did, you obviously listened.
3: Ten plus years of pro hockey, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. How'd you get back to Seattle?
1: So how did, well, uh, good question. My wife, when I uh, was here in Seattle playing as a 16 year old, we uh, had to do some public relations work. They said, here, you four, uh, go here's some tickets and some autograph stuff. (laughs) Go to the Seattle, um, you know, Seattle University, basketball game and and do some PR work and we're like they even have a team there so we go there we sit there's four of us and these four you know cute college girls come sit behind us I I I just turned I think 17 that day Uh and uh, so we look behind us and we start chatting them up and they're like hey why don't you come to a uh, a party on you know that weekend Or the next weekend, we were like sure. So (laughs) ended up skipping curfew. You, all four of us went to the party, to the dorm, and and uh, I I, I keep teasing my wife. I was the last one through the door, and she got stuck with the last one. (laughs) Suicide, too bad, so sad. But anyways, and that was I just was just seventeen years old. I think she was like nineteen, and and kind of probably could have got put in jail for that. (laughs) Now anyway, so we have the rest is history. So when I turned pro. We always came back here in the summer. And after a couple of years, we just built a nice little modest house in Puyallup. And I was telling John earlier that we just sold it. You know, it's been 30 years since we built it and uh-huh. built it. And we just sold it there a couple of months ago. Same so, house,
3: your first it, contract but yep, yep. Yeah,
1: exactly. I think I paid, you know, a little over hundred grand for
2: it or something like that. And so that was, that was it. So what's funny about that is I, I remember very vividly there being a story in the Seattle P.I. <laughs> interview with you when you were playing here. And you, you talked and said that you were uh, a little bit embarrassed because you got in oh, a fight the night that her parents yeah. came to see the first time her parents wow. came to see a game, and you got in a fight. And you kind of felt bad about that. Do You yeah. remember that story? I remember that story. I remember that vividly. Reading that in my yeah, kitchen. we played Portland.
1: Kid. Yeah, and uh, they came in, and and she did say that uh, uh, that they're coming to the game. I'm like, oh, can we pick another game because it was Portland, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I was like, I'm not changing my, you know, I'm not changing my stripes just because they're there. Uh-huh. And and I think I wanted to be somewhat sedated. And, you know, when you get out on the ice, it's just yeah. like someone, something. yeah, some, <laughs> something happens and you're just like, well, it turned out to be an absolute gong show on the ice. <laughs> and they left. And, and I remember my father-in-law telling my mother-in-law, I found out years later, you know, he was just like, you know, like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> no education, right? I was a grade 10 dropout. I you know I end up getting my education yeah. after but uh, or during but um, dating our daughter you know not in college <laughs> fighting and this and like black eye probably had a beard <laughs> and I'm like I would cry if my daughter brought a uh, younger me right but anyways it all worked out and uh, oh, thank man. thank God but yeah uh, she was on what she was thinking I'm like come on really but uh, it worked out thank God you made the NHL huh <laughs> well, you don't want you you know I'd want to slap you right now the way you're looking at me but. But yes, thank God I made it to the NHL because I don't know what I'd be doing. Like, so here's another story for you. You said, thank God you made it to the NHL. Well, I, was in, I was 26 years old, playing in the American League, capping on the Providence Bruins, making good money. You know, I'm like, they don't have to fight the heavyweights in the NHL, so I'm rather content. And then, uh, I, you know, I, I just kind of had an epiphany one day, and it was just like, do you want to be an American League player and probably be out in three, four years? or do you wanna be an NHL player and maybe play another 10 years and, and make something for yourself? So obviously I, um, I went to my, I came home that summer. I went to my neighbor who owns a landscaping company and I said, Dean, I said, give me the worst job that you have landscaping. Cause I, you know, he kind of laughed. I'm like, no, I'm serious. I said, <laughs> put me on a crew and, uh, and I just wanna work. And he's like, bring it on. So for two, I think it was just two months cause I still had to train a couple couple months uh, to get ready. So for a couple months, uh, five days a week, you know, kind of out five, six in the morning and I get home at five, six at night, dead tired. And then you'd still have to go work out. But I was, I, was, uh, I think the only guy in my crew that could speak, you know, speak English. <laughs> and I worked, uh, worked so hard. So the next year I go to training camp uh, in Boston. And I went right through the roster I went, I mean every guy that I wouldn't fight or go up against before I just went one, two, three, you know, and then I went right on to the uh, exhibition games, one, two, three, you know, every game and making the team and never looked back. But, you know, for me it was, and for most, it's just, there's a mental block that a lot of people can't get, get over or get through. And that was me. I just, I'd go up to Probert or Kosher or, you know, and be like, no, I can't do it tonight. Mm -hmm. Right. Or McSorley. And then, after I'm like, I'd rather fight McSorley, or or do this, you know, landscape for the rest of my life. And <laughs> I I'm think like, McSorley wore the Joe helmet
0: unironically.
1: Yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, it didn't <laughs> matter. A, what are you going to do? Hit him? Dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, it's like you're fighting a bear, right? You stop yeah. when he wants to stop, yeah. not when you want to stop. So, yeah, oh, um, yeah, we laugh when Marty, if we go to these do these fishing trips in the summer, and, and Marty's there, and I kind of, we just laugh. I'm like, what were you thinking? I was a middleweight, you know, beating me up like that. (laughs) And he just laughs,
2: you know, the nicest guy you'll ever meet. Mm. Man, is he tough. Yeah. That reminds me, I've, you know, I've covered the Thunderbirds now for eight years and and I've always just found that the guys who fight the most in in even today's game off the ice are like the nicest, sweetest guys that you're going to meet. Is that, is that something you've always found? Totally.
1: Uh, I usually, uh, I I find the same way Mm -hmm. is uh, the tougher guys for the most part um, are the nicest guys because I I never want to intimidate anybody because I've been intimidated, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want to fight anybody because I don't enjoy it and I I don't like getting beat up. Okay. (laughs) Um, You know, like a confrontation will happen on the ice and I'll just kind of smile and laugh because I know the you know ramifications of what happens, and it's not good. It's not fun. Mm-hmm. It does nothing for my ego. Makes me look like an idiot. And, and most of the the bigger guys that played in the league that had to do it never want to do it again. Right? Why on earth would I want to put myself or someone else through that? Unless I'm playing against Barzy, of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's John Bar, not Matt <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So you, you mentioned earlier that you had a lot of concussions,
0: how, like a lot of the fear now is how it affects people kind of later on when they're done playing. How, how has that affected you now?
1: You know, it, it, it doesn't, um, affect me unless I'm on the ice or someone were to come up and, you know, hit me Mm -hmm. and like run, you know, bump into me rather, uh aggressively or hit hit me on the ice with my head down you get dizzy or what yeah i get dizzy and Mm -hmm. i get in a a fog and then i just go sleep i go Mm -hmm. sleep it off for a day or so and and then you know within a couple days i'm fine but uh i think that's if that's the worst of my problems and i'm doing okay um but (laughs) no no, that's that's uh that's it but i was out for about after i retired from my concussions um i I was getting body checks i just go line a guy up in the american lake and we just I just get knocked out and I'd be like what just happened Mm -hmm. you know then I got tested and they're like no you're you're done 34 35 years old I'm like I'm old anyways well for that for the Mm -hmm. career for my for what I've for that sport I'm like good I'm done you don't have to tell me twice and it took me about eight months and I was like no conversations with you know anybody I was dark I had to be in dark light or uh, no light in a dark room uh, no activity I couldn't walk I couldn't go for walks i couldn't work out and then thank god i just hit the bottom and then i and i came back up and never looked back but there's there's, there's, there's got to
0: be some real fear in there that, like, th- at the time there gonna,
1: was yeah. yeah and i think my you know my wife was probably equally concerned but you know what uh, thank god i came out of it and and most of us do uh, but there's you know uh, there's a few people out there that don't yeah. and you hear those stories and you just feel you know, my heart goes out for those people because it's not, you know, it's not fun and it's not just sports, it's car accidents or whatever, right? These people get hurt and they just, they can't come out of that funk and, oh, you know, I just, just feel, feel bad for them.
3: You work at Snow King now. When did you get, when did you start getting involved in Snow King and and when did that kind of line up?
1: Uh, Right after I got out of my, you know, six, eight months um, funk with those concussions, um, Snow King called me and said, hey, do you want to? come in and be a hockey director for us. And so what year? Oh, uh, geez. Yeah. I, are, so I retired in
3: 2000, I
1: think, um, 2001, I think. So it would have been like 2001, 2002, mm-hmm. yeah. And so I did that for a year and then I went over to Spokane and I coached, assistant coached over there for the chiefs for two years, loved it, but that would mean you'd have to be moving all over the place. I didn't really want to do that at the time. So, like, along the bus ride. Yeah. Oh my god, I hated those bus rides. So. <laughs> they're um, probably way worse too when you're a coach. You do yes, your buddies oh, around. <laughs> yes, you're thirty you know, I'm thirty-five years old and there's not enough amb- ambient in your bag to, to last the trip. But, so I got after a couple of years, it's like, you know what? Uh well, after a couple of years, um this uh ranks um rent a nice arena. And uh, they were um uh, they're having they were really struggling. Actually, they're going through bankruptcy and they they asked me to come in and see if I could help, and so I took over the rink and just as, as a manager, and we kind of turned things around. And Snow King really turned things around. And you know, this that was what f- almost four, fourteen or fifteen years ago. I, mean, I so I'm now I'm, I run both Renton and Kirkland, and and now we're building. As you know, we're building the new rink in Snoqualmie, so I'll oversee all three rinks. But we got a great team, really it, good and team.
3: it's obviously very table and yes. healthy and yes so interesting i don't know if i probably haven't shared this with you but i moved here in 2004 the first one of the first things i did to kind of like because I, I knew nobody right but i wanted to like connect with the hockey team and start playing but i signed up for one of those hes camps oh jimmy I and i at olympic view i right? yeah. darn so was was yeah sc- i think running. it was the spring late spring of 2004 that was and, and you would come in and instruct you yeah. were like the first quote unquote NHL player I've ever met I'll be because I had only been skating for a couple years. Why did he put a quote? I mean,
2: you did play in the NHL. And it's then, and like and you then he really forgot, <laughs> what he freaked out was ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: so, no, but uh, like I, I never, you know, it was like a foreign. I've never yeah. lived in a city with an NHLer, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, um, so anyway, it was kind of cool, and it was a it was a great program to get involved, and in, and then connected with my first organized hockey team right out of that yes. uh, instruction and. Here we are, 14. Yeah, yeah 14. So you're, yeah, to blame,
2: you're to blame for a bar. <laughs> bar yeah. yeah. That's why my skating is so crappy. <laughs> That's right. You're
1: like, bad coaching right off yeah, of
2: the bat. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. the only coaching I've yeah, ever had, part, I yeah. actually. Yeah. So, so the Sokwami, you mentioned Soquambe, uh, the Sokwami, the two rings that are going up there. Uh, is everything going on, 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 on schedule for that? Yep.
1: So we are scheduled to June. open in, we're hoping June mm-hmm. of 2020. It's a two-sheet facility uh, separated by, you yeah, know, big concrete uh, wall in the middle but two regular NHL sized rinks uh, we're gonna have them upstairs they're gonna have a mezzanine overlooking each rink with uh, eventually some you know probably bleacher seating and then we'll have upstairs we'll have a um, uh, the offices hopefully uh, like a physical therapy area and a, um, a dry land training area and rather large and then just some seating downstairs a pro shop uh some party rooms and then a lobby with a reception area and that's it but very basic but it's a beautiful rink and a great area
2: what do you think that's going to what kind of impact is that going to have on your programs? do you think just uh, just that much more growth yeah we're gonna we're gonna
1: double we have to double and within three to four years right so we've got what a thousand youth players and six seven hundred adult players and six or 700, you know, learned skaters and, and figure skaters. And so, I mean, we, we went from one last year uh, in the fall, I think we had like 30 uh, adult learner players. Well, this fall we expect over a hundred. Yeah. And so. Is we, that,
2: is that because the NHL's yeah. swirling around? Yeah. And
1: so we've, we've, uh, we, we have to outfit all those yeah. 100 people with <laughs> free equipment too, right? For free yeah. loaner equipment. Yeah. So we have a hundred sets of gear back here. And when they come in, we just—you guys could just call us. And for the fall sessions, and we say, "Yep, we have two sessions um, in Kirkland, and we have two sessions here." And we're expecting to fill them up with at least twenty-eight to thirty-five per class. And we're we're ready. And our learn to skates—we're filling those up. Our hockey teams, our youth hockey, uh, is—they're really condensing that. Any open ice that we had last year is. For the public is getting closed off. Well, it's in,
3: almost impossible to find ice even. Yeah. there's no stick and puck. Like you mm. really don't have much stick and no. puck at kind of at what regular would be hours. normal yeah. hours. Yeah,
1: and you will see that um, come next year when there, when that ice is open up. You know, so all of a sudden we're going to double in capacity. You're going to mm. see some stick and pucks. You're going to figure skaters going to see better times. Your adult leagues are going to see better start times, better finish times. You know, it's everybody is going to have good uh, ice lots, and you know as. We fill them up, you know, they're going to be somewhat condensed and uh maybe go back to the way we are right now. But That won't happen for probably, you know, a year or two. So. John's duped me into playing goalie form at 1130 at night a couple of times. So. Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. <Yeah.
0: laughs> it's, it's very difficult. Yeah. I need my rest. That's, that's a subject, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> I, do yeah. I like that.
3: And so you you mentioned that the impact of the NHL announcement has <clears> impacted <throat> the adult learn to play, but have you seen it at the youth level as well
1: already? Yeah. Or is it? Yeah. Yeah, like, we have, we had a, uh, uh, give hockey a try, uh, for free there a couple months ago. And I think we, we used to have like 20 kids come out and the NHL helped market us with the theory group who, who was, uh, mar- uh, their marketing, uh, company. So they kind of helped us and we had like 90 or a hundred kids show up for yeah. it. And you can, when you get go from 20 to a hundred, you're like, Oh my God, there's not enough instructors out there. And so it, it, you're going to see that, like it's still nothing. Like, what we see now is nothing compared to, you know, six months before they start. They're going to they're gonna put a, a campaign out there, a marketing campaign, that is going to knock your socks off, I imagine. And we're just going to, you know, us and every other association is going to, uh, they're going to capitalize on that, which is what the NHL wants. Mm-hmm, yeah. They need, right? They, they have to have all these rinks uh, expanding and, and, and bursting at the seams because what do you do with the kids, right? All of a sudden your kids wants to play and then if there's no plays the mom, for it yeah. yeah and then the mom and dad want to skate mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they're like well little you know johnny or jenny they want to go to the nhl game so right that's how they keep you know they're going to keep and i don't know if you saw going. this
3: uh the usa hockey membership numbers in in nevada went up now now it's a much 90 yeah. percent went up 90 yeah. percent year over year yes <laughs> now that's game. a that's little a bit and uh yeah. like kind of Going to the cup finals yep. probably helps yes. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you would hope that even getting 25% growth would be awesome in the first year. And then yeah. it's exponential after that. So. we can get a
1: 25% growth here, we, you know, we would just be doing backflips. Right? Yeah. It's right now I mean, when we are, we're bursting at the seams. We're going to, you know, have another rink and hopefully we'll, uh, you know, we'll do very well. And uh, But, the, you know, the NHL is also building... Three sheets yep. and, and so it's going to be hard. Like it's going to be hard to fill these rinks. We're not um, well, you know, we're they not make too confident. They make the cup. Confident. If they make the cup, final make the first, cup finals, <laughs> yeah. Well, we are so holding them through that. that. Yeah. They, they should. Yeah, yeah. they better. Yeah. 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 And it, if they do, oh my gosh, you know, it's that's going to be fun. Then and then we're <laughs> going to need more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: It's always felt like this region is almost kind of built for hockey, for youth hockey. Just it's an indoor sport you play in the winter when the yeah. weather's not good here. There's I money. People have money here. It's like this. It just needs a spark and that that this could be that
1: it'll be great if 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 they can have some success we all know what's going to happen to the hockey community here you know the figure skating probably the hockey The i mean you name it um the rinks are gonna they're gonna grow and and we're just gonna ride that wave we've been communicating for
3: years about the NHL potentially coming here. Anytime a, some kind of media person from out of town would contact me, I'd just say, here's the people you need to contact. <laughs> and it was usually you at the top, right? Okay. And so you and I have been talking to the ESPNs of the world, the, you know, that all these different outlets. Yes. And I always appreciated your support. You've always been super supportive when there weren't, wasn't a lot of support out there or a lot of people believing in it. Right. But when did you really believe that the NHL was going to come here?
1: I, you know what I, I don't know if if, if you had uh, um, the faith or not but when when NHL came here I, I was like anybody or like most a little skeptical like jeepers can we do it you know um, um is this a hockey town you have to you know you have to question yourself and, and sure. question the decision yeah I, I believed it but I wouldn't have put. You know, I'm not putting a billion dollars out there. To, uh, to, you know, to, to You're not gonna, your yeah, out. not gonna take your billions out. I'm not gonna take my billion No, that's for sure. So uh, so anyways, um, you know, that the day after they opened up and, and those, you know, and they sold all those, you know, thirty some thousand seats so and yeah, yeah. that's when we all knew it was like this is this is big time. And even the people in the front office. You know, I think they were looked at the ticker just spinning yeah. out of control. <laughs> yeah, yeah, going, yeah. This is actually going to happen. I mean, do <laughs> <like, laughs> we have a stop on this thing? I don't yeah, know how to yeah. stop <laughs> I think mean, they were. They must have been a little panicked and say, well, they, they, when do they, we turn it off? Because right? I don't think yeah. that there was ever a conversation probably, right? No, to they, say, yeah. okay, hey, wait, if wait, it wait, hits 33,000, yeah. we're going <laughs> to have to yeah, turn yeah, it off. Yeah. And then they're
3: like, yeah, right. It's you know, probably when they were finally able to find the stop. They thought they had months to worry about that. I bet you they, you know, after
1: a couple hours, they're going to say, okay, guys, now what do we do? We're, we have more season we're
2: going to build. Yeah.
1: Good for them and Yeah. good for the people of Seattle to
3: support them and I and obviously I always believed but at the same time I don't know if you've ever heard me say this before. Is I I lost I was losing sleep leading up to that ticket drive. Oh, <laughs> like literally losing sleep. Oh wow. I I paid advertising dollars out of my own budget to like make sure people were aware of the ticket drive. Oh, right? Wow. I was I was terrified the night before. <laughs> I mean I was excited but I was all well, this was like our. That
2: was the shot. Yeah, this
3: was our one yeah. shot. Like yeah. I've been talking about it, and yeah. and it seems like we have support, but I don't know ten thousand people, yeah. right? Because that's the target, right? Yeah. You don't know ten thousand people, no. <laughs> and so my circle is only so big. <laughs> you, Slash ten thousand people that are willing to put down a really right? big yeah. chunk of money, and, and it was it was a lot higher than Vegas, mm-hmm. right? It was only like Vegas was like a hundred dollar yeah. deposit. Yeah. This was five hundred and a thousand, and people were like upset about it. And you're like, "Oh crap, maybe they they s- <laughs> priced it too high." And it's all this hypothetical. And God, thank God. Yeah. I was, I don't know. I saw Tim. Wiki yeah. that morning at the space needle and i you know i could tell yeah that he was like blown away and jerry brockerman was there yeah. and like they were like holy crap yeah. like like kind of comparing notes like can you believe this can you believe this <laughs> well, the like, story goes that's
2: when he called todd and got todd on board okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so but yes yeah, that was
1: crazy yeah. so and they got it's such a good team that they've compiled yeah. there and even yeah. you know they're just starting but with ron francis and, you know with the gm and He's just a quality person, and he'll just hire quality people, and we're going to be Seattle uh, Gooey Duck fans. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we should wrap it up here pretty
0: soon. Before we do, I just want to ask you, because you, you seem to me, and I could be dead wrong on this, but you seem to me like a guy who enjoyed shenanigans with his teammates back in the day. Did you have any uh, any <laughs> stories of shenanigans that stick out from your hockey career?
1: You know, you, you had – yeah, we all did. But, man, you you – you know, better be prepared to, <laughs> to uh, receive the show. receive it. So yeah. my best story was uh, we had, I remember a guy named Guy Point. He played in the yeah, Montreal yeah. Canadiens yeah. during their glory days. And and um, he was our, I was in New Jersey. He was assistant coach. So assistant coaches are usually in charge of all the room keys. And we had another guy named Brian Pataffee. And uh, he talked with a little bit of a lisp. But so Pataf <laughs> would, was always, and, and Guy were going back and forth and kind of tit for tat. And, and I remember we are in Buffalo. We get in about two in the morning and the trainers had to take the bus. You know, you get off the plane, onto the bus, and then the trainers would, we'd drop everybody off and they'd take the equipment to the uh, Buffalo auditorium, unpack it, a couple hours later would come back. So it's probably, you know, three or four in the morning, right? The poor trainers are so tired. So Gila Point says, "Okay, while well, you watch this." So he gets a key to his room, they, and it puts the room right next to each other. So you can see out the people <laughs> at his room. So so he um, went in there and he wet all. He took his toilet paper out and only had one in there, and it was soaked, soaked and wet. <laughs> he says he took all his towels out except for one, and that was soaked and wet. <laughs> he said he put his alarm, Patafi's alarm. He put his alarm in there and set it for like, you know, five o'clock and then Pataf's alarm at five thirty and had a five four, and then had a five forty five breakfast sent to his door. And then he's and then it was just one thing, you know, and then yeah. short sheeted his bed and then put some crackers wow. in his bed. I mean it was just like so poor Pataf I don't think he got more than thirty minutes of sleep. So finally Pataf at like six in the morning, Pataf comes out and he's got his boxer shorts. He's a little overweight. And he comes out, and he's, you know, in his lish, speed, but he's saying, you know, he's, he's saying, he goes, he's looking around, going, he's, he's like almost crying. He goes, he goes, I give up. He goes, Uncle, he goes, Uncle, he goes, Uncle. Like, no more,
2: please, you win. He goes,
1: and then he's looking out, his little people just howling. But it, it was like, those kind of stories were like every day. Like you yeah. would, the guys would go to sleep on the plane. We'd have these, uh, uh, whether it's a chartered plane or a regular commercial plane poor guys that went to sleep. I mean, you would like, you would, you know, put shaving cream on their, you know, on their hands. Right. Cause they'd go and then you'd tickle their nose. Yeah. Right. Or they would put, you know, shaving cream on your head or they would take your boots. Right. If you had your boots off, God help you, Lord help you. They would take them, put them in your bag and you'd have to go through the airport with one boot, zero boots. They'd cut your tie. they would, You know, you name it, you know, your kids. Right. And, yeah. And. Uh, Keep staying awake. I'll staying stay oh, awake. Oh man, I'd do anything. To stay awake, right? <laughs> um, but it was just, you know, that was just an everyday yeah, thing. No yeah. matter what, you just, one guy member in Calgary, another guy's wife and son were at a game, and um, uh, it was Ron Stern was his name, and so this Corey Stillman, who was a rookie, uh, told, said, hey, Sterny, there's your wife, and said something. You know, like, kind of, you know, wasn't over the line, but he kind of teased his wife yeah. a little bit, right? Uh-huh. So Sterney's like, all right, I didn't, you know, didn't know what happened until uh, Corey he, he he screwed his boots. He took he like cut the bottom of the boots and then screwed them to the bench. And then took his jeans and it's like minus twenty five <laughs> degrees in Calgary and turned his jeans into like low uh, or like high cutoffs, like you know like the like the country girls would have Daisy Dukes. Yeah, Daisy Dukes and cut his sleeves and like just destroyed his outfit. So there's there's uh, Corey Stillman. He's going out to uh, ice his car down. He's taking the snow and ice off his cars and his Daisy dukes and <laughs> we're just sitting there laughing at him and you know, like, well, that, that's what happens, right? But every day, every day you would see something like that and you just, just shake your head. Yeah.
0: Outstanding. Yeah. All right. Well, Jamie, thank you so, so much for doing this. Great. This has been a ton of fun and uh, we can't tell you how much we appreciate it. So well, right back at goodness. you. Yeah. Thanks guys. Okay. That's our show for the week. Thank you so much again to Jamie Huscroft for joining us. That was such a fun interview. Uh, Really, really great to sit down with him and uh, just just awesome. So we really appreciate that. We appreciate you listening. We hope you'll leave us a five-star review. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Stitcher, subscribe on Spotify, and we'll talk to you all very soon for episode 47. Cheers.